What's up, my people? Welcome back here for Familiar and welcome if you're new. I'm your host, Chet Hostick. Uh, stretch. And today I wanted to talk about my experiencing dating in America. Um, and also share my dating strategy. I'll share the dating strategy first because, you know, that's probably the highest value thing in here. The rest of it is just insights on what I think about dating in America. So, um, the thing is, like, a little bit of history first. Like, Growing up, I was taught, you know, just be yourself, just be a nice guy, and it didn't work. I got friend-zoned, hello, you know. You know, fellas, if you treat her like a friend, she's going to see you as a friend and then just want you to be a friend. I'm not saying you can't get out of the friend zone. And the only way, the best way to get out of the friend zone is don't put yourself there. Don't be too nice. You know, I recommend anybody and everybody, men and women, to... <clears throat> learn about evolutionary psychology. And I think there's a lot of great red pill content that could teach men and women, you know, fundamentally, um, what eat, what each gender wants. They nail it down pretty good. I'm not saying I agree with everything or I endorse everything and everyone in the red pill community, though. There's a lot of great, um, truths and insights and knowledge to be had about the, about dating and, uh, gender dynamics, you know, um, so just so you guys know, like I don't fully endorse anybody or any ideology, you know, um, but that doesn't mean I don't look for the best ideas that come from them. Like that's the kind of person I am. I look for the best ideas across different perspectives, like say the political compass, for example, I'm looking at each ideology and learning about them and seeing what the best ideas they have, the worst ideas, you know, whether it's left, right, or in the center or even apolitical, you know, getting multidimensional. I was a tremendous failure at dating from my teens up until my late teens. My early to mid teens, I was learning about, about um, evolutionary psychology and philosophy and things like that. I picked up some dating books and improved my, my dating. My critique about the dating industry is that it teaches like manipulation and creating unfair power dynamics. I do respect that the masculine figure in a relationship should be the leader, you know, but it's about, you know, having a sense of ethics with it. I don't think it's good to treat people poorly to get them to like you or however we want to characterize it. You know, and that's like the weird thing about learning to date is like there's a lot of power dynamics to it and there's a lot of social dynamics and social engineering and manipulation, you know, for better, for worse. Like dating is just complex because people are complex. Maybe in some way people are truly simple, you know, like in the ways I usually talk about, like people just want a good experience. And I also mentioned in the understanding of the current state of America episode, you know, we're going through a period of adjustment and experiencing turbulence where... The world isn't set up for the genders to be the way they are, where women have freedom and all that kind of stuff. After I learned some dating, I got better and lost my virginity at 17 years old. I know that's late, you know, according to a lot of people, but that that's just the truth. That is what it is. My body count is 15, but it wasn't just like I only had sex 15 times. It was multiple times with each. I prefer the bachelor life. I prefer like just having friends with benefits or just having casual sex and casual dating. I, I did have a few committed relationships monogamously. The longest lasting one was like four years. 
And the other ones were like two years, three years max, something like that, other than the one that was four years. Typology also helps with dating, understanding the cognitive functions, and that just helps you find really good compatible fits, even if you have the incorrect archetype. You know, if you have a good impression of somebody with the functions, you know, you can you can definitely, uh, you know, find somebody that, that suits you. I didn't really date in my early 20s. I was really focused on my purpose and mission in life to be a musician at the time. I experienced a lot of success and I experienced a lot of not success. It was in my mid-20s when I disassociated from the music scene and started doing my own thing, learning about business and having no friends, I'd just be chilling. <laughs> yeah, that's why I call it a period of my life. From like 2000, late 2015 to late 2018 or so, that's the period of my life I title No Friends, I'd Just Be Chilling. And those were the arguably the happiest years of my life. I'm still happy as a person most days, if not every day. Now, my main dating strategy is meet people who have who like to have the same kind of fun. So bookstores are a place, obviously if the woman is like, she looks approachable, I'll go for it. Bookstores, going to see bands, local or not, and you should always support your local talent. You know, just, just going to places that you frequent where you have a good experience. Or even the self-care aisle where they're shaving stuff, you know, you'll meet people who take care of themselves. You know, the gym is another place, church, you know, wherever you frequent to have fun and have and have value, you know, you're bound to meet partners who are more suitable for you. And, you know, like if the conversation is fun, I exchange numbers. And once I exchange numbers, I use the texting to uh, communicate, hey, it's Chad, met you at the bookstore. I, I text that right away once I get the number. And then I try to set up a date on the following weekend. And then potentially the date is fun because the conversation was fun and I met them in a place where it's relative to me and my interests and their interests. And then the date is fun and then we have sex. But nonetheless, like the point of dating for me is to have fun. It's not about being more powerful than the other person. It's not about me, you know, being validated by the other person or trying to influence them. It's about fun. You know, meet people you have fun with. That's that's always been my dating strategy. And I do think it's important to learn all the tactics, not so that you could use them against somebody or on somebody, but so that you're aware of how how that stuff works when it's used on you and against you. Uh, my my overall experience in dating, um, uh, the, the 15 women I've been with were fun, worthwhile women. You know, they were of age, they were consenting. Mo most, most of them were my age. Some of them were a little bit older than me or a lot older than me. Ultimately, like what I look for in a, in a, in a partner, somebody I can just have fun with, you know? Um, and I've also been on a lot of bad dates, you know, where the women were not interest, interesting. Maybe it's because they weren't interested in me. I don't know. I don't even know why they agreed to go to the date with me. And so 
I've also dated a lot of women where their biggest vocabulary were is lipstick and they were difficult to connect with and they just didn't have really much to say and I don't want to have sex with somebody like that. <laughs> like, like not with that kind of experience I was provided, you know. And that's like the thing. It's like we got to be conscious and aware and present with what kind of experience we're providing people and what kind of experience we're having from other people. And like I said in the 90 Day Fiance episode, you know, courtship comes first for me. Like when I'm dating, is it's the main goal with dating itself is to have fun. However, um, I find it important for me to also keep in mind, you know, it's like, is this someone I can have fun with and also work on projects with? And, you know, do writing projects with or something like that. Because that would be cool. That would be cool to have a girlfriend like that. I also mentioned in the Understanding the Current State of America episode that I'm never going to get married or have kids. I made that decision a long time ago. Uh, what are the reasons for that? Well, the reason I don't want to have kids ever is because I don't come from a stable family dynamic. And I'm not confident that I could undo a lot of the curses that come with that the bad habits and such. Um, I, I, I don't, I don't believe I'd be the worst father, but I, if I'm going to have kids, I want to be the best father I can be. And who I currently am, I don't believe that would be good. And I think a lot of people should consider that if you don't come from a stable family dynamic and you don't have the right values and you're not with the right kind of partner, or you come from a divorced family, especially, you should really consider not having kids. Um, you know, we, we want people to have kids who have their lives in order, who can afford the kids, who come from a good family, who come from a stable, healthy family. Those are the people who should be having kids. You know, um, the, the young years of our lives, the beginning of our lives are so pivotal about, like from when we're born to our early 20s, to our 20s in general, you know, those are really important years for developing ourselves. And also, if we have kids like we're parents, those are really important years from when they're born to their 20s. You know, what kind of influence are we setting? I mean, what kind of example are we setting to them? You know, like, I rec- I advise you all to don't have kids that you can't afford and don't have kids unless you set the best example of what someone should turn out to be. And that's why I'm very disappointed in my parents, you know. Um. I I would not want to be my father. I would not want to be my mother, to tell you the guys the truth. And the reason I don't want to get married is, like, that's high risk. I guess the only benefit, correcting what I said in the Understanding the Current State of America episode, you know, correcting something I said, I said that it it won't serve men. And I strongly discourage men from getting married. And I still stand by that. The, The only thing valuable about it is, like, it helps with your taxes from from what I gather. But but it's still a high risk for men. Like the, the divorce where the woman could acquire a lot of his assets. When women are able to work and be independent. You know, the, the laws are outdated. And the world isn't currently set up for both genders to be how they are. And also there's institutions making women think that they're masculine figures when they're not. Like, there's a lot of women who are parading around with masculine energy when they're really not meant to be like that. And there's also a lot of men who parade around with feminine energy when they're really not meant to be like that. You know, people got to be true to their nature, you know. 
But some women are meant to be naturally masculine. Some men are meant to be naturally feminine. So it works for them. But I believe those are fewer. And so overall my dating experience, I don't know. It's it's hard to put a rating on it. Like I'll treat it like a five-star rating, I guess. I mean, I don't want to be unfair about it because the world is currently going through a period of adjustment and experiencing turbulence. So that's why there was a lot of poor dating experiences and also a lot of failed parents, a lot of weak mother and father figures. So, of course, there's going to be a lot of people who don't know how to properly date or do courtship or pursue love. So, uh, all things considered, uh, maybe three stars. That might be a little bit too generous. Yeah, that might be too generous. But, you know, like, I don't, I don't have anything against women or men or particularly like anybody except for like on an individual level like i don't know in defense of migtow i can understand why there's men who i'm not justifying the misogyny like that i that i don't agree with or understand but the the lifestyle of migtow to go solo some some migtows do date so i suppose you can date in migtow but Men going their own way in the sense that um, they're, a lot of them are avoiding women. I can understand that because um, a lot of women, or no, not a lot of women, but there's women who have uh, made false accusations. And the Me Too movement was a part of that. And we live in a gynocentric culture. I call it a pseudo-matriarchy. And, you know, uh women can make false accusations of rape and harassment and narcissism and psychopathy and, you know, persecute men and uh, attempt to ruin their lives. You know? Um, so I understand that there is high risk for men in dating and just being around women in general, even in a workforce sense. So it doesn't surprise me that a lot of men go MGTOW and... You know, I, 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 I support the idea of men going MGTOW as long as they, like, don't hate women. You know, it's not, it's, bigotry doesn't help anybody. And, I don't know, I just think having resentment for ourselves or other people is lame. You know, it, it doesn't serve me to feel that way. And when I do feel that way, I work on it and repair it and remedy it through forgiveness, through acceptance of things. And holding love and forgiveness in my heart. So there's a little bit of a defense for MGTOW. Not not in the misogyny way. I don't defend that. But I do defend, you know, the understanding that, you know, dating is dangerous. And being around women can be dangerous for men. And so, like, we're always taking a risk, right? I avoid women who claim they have PTSD or CPTSD or some sort of severe mental illness and things like that. I'm willing to date women with bipolar disorder because I have that too. And I'm, I'm, I, I dated a woman with a bipolar disorder and it was nice. We understood each other. We were able to give each other the care and space we needed. So I'm not opposed to dating mentally ill women in all ways. 
but it's got to be something light like that. But I'm not going around diagnosing people because I can't, but I'm just saying like if the woman brings it up like, oh, I have PTSD or complex PTSD from some narcissist who abused me, that's a big red flag to me. And if a woman has been abused, I, I, I don't date them either. I don't want to date women with trauma that affects their relationships with other people and their stability and health. I don't want to deal with women who are messed up in the head from some sort of traumatic experience. I want to date a stable woman. As stable as possible, anyway. And people with bipolar can be stable, too. With the proper lifestyle and possibly medications, yeah. You know, I want to date women who are stable and don't have severe mental health issues. Because, you know, that could create problems in my life. They could be hard to deal with, you know. And also, I think a lot of it could be lies from some women. You know, they probably say it for attention and validation. You know, women get power and validation from victimhood. That's why a lot of women love playing the victim. And that's also why a lot of people love playing the victim. It's a power play for validation and also, you know, to have influence and control who's in the environment. All they have to say is, you're making me feel unsafe and uncomfortable and try to get you to move out of the environment like an enemy would. Yeah. It's clever. Um, and, uh, yeah, like, th there's just a ton of women I'm not willing to date. I, I want to date a stable, strong, healthy, you know, fit woman without severe mental health issues, who wants to work on projects with me and pursue a virtue, like start a charity, that'd be cool. That's my ideal. And, you know, there was this one chick I was flirting with a few years ago, and she posted on social media about her CPTSD. I'm just like, oh, bullet dodged. <laughs> yeah. And... uh Speaking of which, you know, the empath movement is a interesting thing, or not movement, but like culture, where people think they're angelic beings that can do no wrong. They think that being harmless is virtuous. <laughs> like, they, they think that being weak and emotional sponges is a virtuous, cute thing to be. It sounds like it sucks to be an empath. I'm glad I'm not one. And I don't even think they're real. I don't believe you can feel other people's emotions. I don't. I think you can observe and interpret people and build an idea of how they feel, but I don't believe you can actually feel another person's emotions. And I stay away from people. I create great distance from people who claim to be empaths and also um, claim they can feel people's emotions. What a, what a clever way to manipulate somebody. Well, I felt how you felt. This feeling didn't belong to me, and it belonged to you, and you feel this way, so therefore this, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, that, that sounds taxing to deal with, right? And, you know, the empaths, they seem to be anti-narcissists. They seem to, like, call people they don't like or disagree with narcissists and psychopaths and all that, and call people mental health diagnoses, you know, like narcissist, psychopath, sociopath. I, I don't know if they talk bad about people with uh, borderline personality disorder. I don't know if they do. Um, that that seems like a great way to get validation and power. Claim you have BPD. Yeah, I, I wouldn't date a woman with that either. 
you know, um, the empath culture and or movement, whatever we want to call it, it just seems like a a, a way to virtue signal. <laughs> That's all it seems like. You know, they think they're virtuous, but I just think they're weak people. They sound unstable to me. Oh, I feel all these people's emotions. I'm such a good, harmless person, and everyone abuses me. They're narcissists. Blah 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 blah. I I don't date women who claim they're empaths. <laughs> Or highly sensitive people, or highly sensitive person, whatever you call that. I don't even think that exists either. And to me, that sounds like weakness. You know, I, I admire men and women who are tough, who can deal with tragedy properly, and come out unscathed, and you know, be adequate and effective, uh, kind and humble and pragmatic and strategic like i admire strong people i don't admire weak people i respect strong people i pity weak people i pity empaths i pity people who who just can't deal with with their own mind and emotions or life i don't respect that you know and I'm not a babysitter, I, and I'm not a nurse, I'm not a therapist, I'm not a doctor, I'm not Superman, I'm not a cop. I, I'm I'm not going to date someone to coddle them and cuddle them and tell them, oh, it's okay, baby. I don't do that. I don't do that. You know, because my ideal relationship is like being a power couple. Like, we're strong, we're healthy, we're stable, we're effective. We're going to start businesses, we're going to be successful, and be our best selves mentally, physically, and financially and work out together and get fit, eat healthy together and, you know, just, uh, you know, have a fun, simple life like that. That's my ideal. But so many women don't fit that bill. So, yeah, I, I think three stars is a good rating. You know, because I've had plenty of experiences with great women. Um, you know, and, and that's fine. And I'm still open to dating. Like, for for now, I'm just, like, doing my own thing. Like, I, I, I'm doing this podcast. I'm writing these books. I'm writing these screenplays. I'm doing these courses. You know, I'm working out. I'm eating mostly healthy, admittedly. Going sober life and uh, educating myself and, you know, just enjoying life. Playing video games and... Going on walks and hikes and, you know, trying trying new food, trying new restaurants, meeting new people, networking. You know, hang out with people in my network. You know, just having fun. Being productive and having fun, doing what I should and when I should do it. And it'd be cool to meet a woman like that in her own way where she's feminine or at least mostly feminine and... Um, is strong, doesn't have severe mental health issues, wants to be a power couple with me and do projects together and maybe do a charity together. That'd be cool. That's my ideal. And, you know, the reality is from what it looks like or my perception of reality is there's not a lot of worthwhile candidates for me to choose with that. Or maybe I'm just not meeting them in the right places. Maybe my strategy needs to be adjusted. And that could be. Yeah, I do believe there's somebody out there for everybody from a typology perspective. You know, there's different personalities that are compatible with each other, and there's over 7 billion different people on the planet. There's bound to be at least someone who likes you, someone healthy, 
bound to be. I don't see why not. You know? And the more we improve ourselves and our value and we just, like, you know, do us, we're just being ourselves and we're true to our nature, the better the odds of finding a suitable partner will be, especially if they're doing the same thing. And we just be in the right place at the right time. You know? And that's, like, the tricky thing dating taught me is that you know, being yourself is one thing, like being true to yourself, kind of like how I talked about Big Ed like that. Um, you know, it's one thing to be true to yourself, but it's another thing in like how we present ourselves. Like you can still be true to yourself and present yourself in a way that gets you results, like getting a date or getting a job or, you know, opportunities with other people. You can still be true to yourself and have social cohesion. You just ha- and it might require a little bit of retooling to your personality, but in an authentic sense, it might require modification of who you are in a pragmatic and authentic sense. You can you can modify yourself and still be true to your nature and be who the situation requires you to be. You know. And that's why people go from being the courtesy clerk to the manager in a few years. And that new position gives them new expectations and responsibilities, and they have to be a different version of themselves. It's required to be a different version of yourself when you're in a different time and place. Um, But you can still authentically be you. Do you see what I'm saying? So that's how I look at it. You know. Like, just because I chose to act more masculine and demonstrate my value in a different way so I could get dates and provide a good experience to the women doesn't mean I'm being untrue to myself. It was just me presenting who I am in a different way. Presentation, timing and placing, that kind of thing. And, you know, and, th- and there's people who think the world isn't going to get better. And, I mean, yeah, surely things will get worse, but also surely things will get better. You know? Um, I believe balance will always be restored, with the exception that there could be negligence and a all-out nuclear war and things go wrong. There's always a chance humanity is going to end itself. And I believe humanity will be the end of itself. Not saying there's no other possibility, but I believe that's more likely. But I think that, for now, we have enough good things going on that we can safely say that there's strong chances balance and harmony can be achieved. I'm not saying like world peace or anything like that, but I'm saying like enough people doing the right things and making the world more fair, making the world more suitable for everybody, or at least the general population. And we can have what the baby boomers had or even better. I believe it's possible, and I believe it can be achieved. There's no reason for me not to think that. Um, And I'm not saying that the opposite isn't true. I'm not saying that there's no strong chance for worse things to happen. I mean, both better things will happen and worse things will happen. That's just how multifaceted and multidimensional life is. I, I think that if enough people are true to their nature, and they do what they should when they should do it, the, the that will be enough people doing that it would be people doing the right sequences in the right time and place around the right people to create the best outcomes 
for for whatever purpose politically like state of the world state of america kind of thing and also just establishing order and peace and contentment in our own lives and providing good experiences and peace and contentment in other people's lives and that's my sense of ethics you know how we treat ourselves and other people and how efficient we are at the basic fundamental level that's how i view ethics um I, I just don't agree with the division. I, I, I believe the division is what's prolonging the worst things happening. I believe that unity can be achieved. Um, so as I was saying before, like the reason I don't want to have kids is because I just don't believe I would be the best father at this time. Maybe in the future I'll turn into someone that would be a good father. And also, if my kids grew up to be indoctrinated leftists and believe in stupid shit, that would break me. You know, there's more of the world than there is of me. How how strong of influence could I have on my children, even if I was the best example that I could set of what someone should turn out to be? How strong of influence would I have on my children against the rest of the world? And how do I find the right partner to, to go along with this journey with me and create children and a family. What needs to be done? What must take place? What are the circumstances that need to be there? I've yet to answer these for myself. And the reason I prefer the bachelor lifestyle, being single, is and just having friends with benefits or casual dating, casual sex. The reason I'm I'm open to commitment depending on the woman if the woman and I see each other is worthwhile enough. Yeah, I'm open to it. But the reason I'm going, the reason I prefer the bachelor life is, and being single is because, you know, I, I just like having solitude, peace, contentment, serenity, and alone time and harmony. I, I just like my alone time. I don't even know if I would let the woman move in if I was in a monogamous relationship. I don't even know if I would. Like if I had my own place, I don't know if I would let that happen. You know, my recent ex-girlfriend lived with me for a year and a half with me and my parents. Most of it was good, by the way. Uh, but nonetheless, like what I learned from that was like, I, I, I need alone time. And when you have someone living with you, especially an intimate partner, um, it's hard to get that alone time. Maybe the solution, the compromise, so to speak, would be like, a two-bedroom apartment and we sleep in our own bedrooms or maybe one bedroom is an office. I mean, I don't know. But I'm sure there's solutions to it. Um, and I just don't know how open I would be to it because I just en I just enjoy my life. But nonetheless, it's like... Uh, I just like my alone time. I like my solitude. I like having my morning and midnight solitude. And just thinking about things and writing and consuming content and doing courses and stuff. like I, I love it. Um, but like I said, I am open to doing a committed relationship. If I can meet a suitable, compatible partner who would like to be a power couple with me, that'd be cool. It's also nice not being cheated on. <laughs> you know, I've been cheated on only a few times. And it didn't really hurt me because I understood that it's like, oh, I wasn't valuable enough to keep her. I, I, my advice is to be the partner that your partner would want to cheat with. 
to me, that's the secret tip to like making sure you keep interest. And when you start dating or even if you get married, like when you're in a committed thing, like never stop gaming each other. I'm not saying manipulate each other, but I'm saying like never stop dating and having fun. Uh, because so much of that goes out the window when you get too familiar with somebody and then your guys are just doing nothing together. And then you guys are just talking about like, oh, we need to go to a store or we need to do this. Don't forget to have fun. You always got to have fun. Never stop gaming. That's why I call game is when, when you have fun with somebody, you know, like a sexual partner, a romantic partner, whatever. You know, so that that's th those are some things I learned. And uh, also, I've never seen the happy marriage, by the way. And e even if a marriage seems happy, I know that they got problems. Everyone's got their problems. Every couple's got their problems. The thing is, like, choosing what kind of problems do you want to have. And that's why standards are important. Your standards will reflect what kind of partner you want and what kind of problems you guys will face. Because for me, I'd rather have the power couple problems where it's like, because of the pandemic, we can't go to the gym. So now, now we have to do calisthenics or it's like, now we have to find a better way to make money at this business. I'd rather have those problems than somebody who's weak and can't deal with themselves or reality or their own emotions or mind. I don't want to deal with those problems in a relationship. I don't want that. I want power couple problems. I want I, I want to have a relationship where we're achieving shit. That'd be tight. That'd be cool. You know. And and I learn I learn these things all through trial and error and just experimenting and putting myself out there. You know. Um, and I'm going to learn more. So yeah, those are, those are my thoughts on, uh, dating in America plus my dating strategy.